How many of you ready to get into the word? You know, I'm actually getting a little hot in here. Anybody warm? I'm, I'm getting a little hot. Uh, getting a little hot. I think, I think I just need to preach right here in my, in my, brand, new, my brand new shirt. We're starting a new series today called Hold Fast. Everybody say Hold Fast. You got to do the hands. Hold fast. Talked a few weeks ago about how like sailors used to get like this tattooed on their fingers, like on their knuckles, just knuckle tats. And like when the storm's coming up, when things are getting rough, it's like, come on. They didn't have to say a word. All they had to do was like hold fast. It's going to be our signal as a church. Like somebody's going through something. All you have to do is like, (laughs) hold fast. So I'm not brave enough to get the knuckle tats. But I was brave enough to get T-shirts in a couple of weeks. I might, I might have a few extra if, if uh, some of y'all, some of y'all want to partake in uh, in this goodness. Listen, if you have spent any time in the Word of God, like you open up your Bible, like even if it's only like once a year, and you better be doing it more than that. Two sixty, baby, at least two hundred sixty days of the year. You should be opening up your Bible. One of the things that like you just cannot avoid is the subject of our faith. Faith is critical to the story of everyone, whether they're a follower of Jesus yet or not. Faith, who we put our trust in, what we put our trust in, is critical to our lives and even our eternity. Here's some of the ideas that you'll bump into as you are reading through scripture. You cannot please God without it. You can't please God without faith. That's what we read in Hebrews 11.6. Like, you cannot please God without faith. Here's something else you'll run into. You cannot be saved without faith. That's what we read in Ephesians chapter two, that is by grace you have been saved through faith. Wow, this is sounding pretty important. And you cannot walk with Jesus, like your your daily walk, how you're walking. You cannot walk with Jesus without faith. Because we also read that we walk by faith, not by what we see, not by sight. So what we see over and over again in scripture is that this issue of faith is absolutely critical. And that's what we're going to be talking about today and for the next two Sundays after. There's a lot of different ways we can get after this study. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you a model of how faith actually, I believe, works in our lives. How it comes about how we can grow in it, and actually even how we can share it. If you've been around me for any length of time at all, it's likely you've seen this little model before because, man, I will, I'll take out a napkin and when I'm having lunch with somebody and I'll just kind of start sketching it out. Um, I, I've, I've taught about this before, but like some years ago. So if you've been around, you've probably seen this, but that's okay if you're a little bit familiar with this already, because you need to be reminded, and those who have not heard this before, 
I am, my desire, my hope is that this model will become so embedded in your own understanding of faith that it will help you immensely to understand your faith. Like, oh, that's, that's what it means to believe in God and to put my trust in him. So it'll become embedded in your own faith story. And so much so that when God leads you into opportunities to share your faith with someone who is processing and maybe has not come to all the same conclusions you have, that this will actually enable you and help you in the sharing of your faith. Got it? So this is extraordinarily important. Now, there's probably different models of like how we come to faith and and I'm not claiming this is the only one, but I'm claiming two things about this, this model that we're going to be looking at today. Number one, it's entirely biblical. So we're going to be kind of teeing off from one particular verse that, that like has this embedded within it. But you will see this same model over and over again in Scripture. It is, so it's entirely biblical. But here's the other thing about this model that I think is, well, it's unique. It's unique to me. Because not only is it entirely biblical, it's entirely personal. This is something that God gave me years and years ago as I was studying faith. And what I was doing is I was reading Hebrews chapter 11, which is, it's the faith chapter. It's the chapter that begins like, hey, guess what? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. No, I got that wrong, didn't I? The, the evidence of things hoped for. The, uh, yeah, substance of things not seen. I should have written it down. Oh, I did. It's here in my notes. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Yes. Important to read that. <laughs> As I was studying Hebrews 11, though, what I did is I, I, I read it and then I read it again and I read it again. I'm like, God, would you show me more about faith? I really want to understand this because it's such a critical topic. And as I read, I began to see that there were certain things that were repeated there was just like some repetition of different things. We talked about one of those in a, in a recent series when we talked about that, you know, that faith is not by sight. And we had, did a whole series called Seeing the Invisible that was based on this chapter. And that's one of those themes, this, this idea of vision and, and, God, and seeing beyond what's actually right there in front of us. But there's some very important themes that you'll see repeated in this particular chapter. One is God's faithfulness. Another one is that God makes promises. And that we have a promise-making God who is faithful. And it was just like so clear to me as I saw that. But it, then, it, then, it, then as you keep reading further and you start seeing the stories of these people who are now filled with a new hope, that are learning to hold fast to the promises of God. And I, and I think that that actually became somewhat of a working definition for me of what it means to be people of faith. Hope-filled people who are holding fast to God's promises. Let me say that again. Hope 
hope-filled people who are holding fast to God's promises. And it was like, man, this seems to be this like working definition of what it means to be people of faith. So then what I did is I, after I'd read this passage like over and over again, I decided, you know what, I'm going to like kick out the boundaries and start reading a little before Hebrews 11 and then read a little bit afterwards. Because how many of you know, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you don't, the like the chapter numbers and the verse numbers, those were all added later. Like whoever wrote Hebrews, we're not exactly positive, it probably was the Apostle Paul, but maybe not, maybe it was one of his friends. He didn't like say chapter one, verse one. Let me, let me come up with a cool thing to start this. Le-. Now he just wrote the letter, right? It was centuries later that actually that someone came along to make it helpful for us so we don't have to like guess like, hey, do you remember where it says? You just go, no, Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? So I decided like, I want to read what, what was going on a little before and a little after. And as I was reading through Hebrews chapter 10, I came across Hebrews 10.23 and it blew my mind. Because all of the things that I was seeing in Hebrews chapter 11, all these like kind of repeated themes were in one verse, like in this single statement, was this powerful declaration of what it means to be people of faith, even though it doesn't use the word faith. But it contains all of the things that we see in Hebrews chapter 11, but we see him kind of in seed form. It is the concentrated version of what it means to be people of faith. So let's read it together. It's there in your notes, but put it up on the screen as well. I don't need to read this one because this one is so embedded in my faith story that actually this became my life verse when God showed this powerful truth to me. It says this, it says, let us hold unswervingly. And you just stop right there because there are some translations that say, let us hold, hold fast, hold fast. But I like this idea of hold unswervingly because there's so many things in life that would cause us to want to swerve. Like God has called us to a path, but ah, there's challenges. Ah, I'm scared. I'm being confronted with this thing that I don't know if I can get beyond. And it's like, ah, I want to swerve. But what we see here, hold fast. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? For he who promised is faithful. So when I saw this, I noted two kind of big things about this. One, first thing, and if you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to get it out and, 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 and look at this verse, but I want you to underline five things because there are five distinct thoughts embedded within this one statement. Five things, okay? Here we go. First, it says the word to hold unswervingly, right? So that's number one, hold unswervingly. The second is the... It tells us what we're to hold on to, which is hope. Got it? Hold unswervingly, number two, hope. The third thing is that this is a hope that we 
profess. That's number three, the profession of this hope that is within us. Okay, then pause right there in this list of five things because there's a little word that's very important in this sentence, and it's, this, it's the word for. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for. Just circle the word for because that word right there is like the hinge in this sentence. It like everything that is stated at the beginning part of the sentence, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for, right, it's the hinge, because it's going to tell us why. For he who promised, and there's the number, there's number four, we have a God who speaks promises, and then number five is that he is faithful. Underline the word promise, underline the word faithful. So I noticed these five things. I'm like, wow, this is like all reflecting back on what I've been studying all the way through Hebrews 11. These five powerful thoughts. But then there was a second thing I noticed about this. That all of these five thoughts are completely interconnected with each other. There's this interconnection of the five thoughts. And as I, as I wrote them out, as I'm studying them, I began to realize that to most clearly understand how they're connected, the ideas actually go from the end of the verse to the beginning of the verse. It's like if I told you, uh, Carla, I want you to go to the bank and withdraw $5,000. Because... You just won a prize and it's in your bank account, right? It's like the end of the sentence. Like the first like doesn't make quite enough sense until you understand the last part of the sentence. And that's kind of what I think that the author is doing here. Tells us what we need to do. Hold fast to this hope that we profess. Hold fast to this hope. Why? Because, oh, because we have a faithful God who has spoken promises and so they're all interconnected, but they really, the ideas flow from back to front. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to take that pen or pencil, and now we're going to like fill in these five statements that go along with what we're reading, and they start from the end of the verse and work to the beginning. So the first thing that I want you to write in number one is that we have a faithful God. Amen. That's where it starts. Our God is faithful. Number two, he makes promises. So we have a God who is not silent. We have a promise-making God. Number three, this ignites hope within us. Listen, when, I don't want to give away the whole series here, but let me tell you, when you realize That the God of the universe, who is faithful and true, has spoken things into his creation. He has spoken promises. And those are not just generic ideas and truths and nice spiritual thoughts, like put them on a bumper sticker, oh, isn't that nice? But this is a promise for you can I tell you, that's when things change in your story. Because you go from being 
hopeless to hopeful. It is when the promises of our faithful God take root in your soul that hope will be ignited. And it may just start as like a little spark. It's like, nah, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think any of this like God stuff is like for me or real or I don't know. I'm just so confused. And then all of a sudden, the promise of God begins to take root in your soul like that seed that got planted that has been dormant maybe for decades. Maybe your mama told you things or maybe you went to a youth group when you were a kid and you heard like the gospel and like the seed was planted. This has been like dormant. But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit like breathes on that. And all of a sudden, that little seed just goes, beep, beep. You know, just the littlest bit of growth. That seed just splits open and life begins to happen. That's hope. That's what hope is. That spiritual life that begins to be formed within us. Okay? With a faithful God who's spoken promises. Those promises are what ignite hope within us. But then it doesn't stop there because then we get to the first half of the verse. We're to share it. Number four, there's this profession of our hope. And over and over again, we're gonna see in scripture by the time we get to the end of this series that this hope within us is not meant to stay in us. We're to profess it, we're to communicate it. Or the way we live our life and what we say and what we do is a faith that goes from inside of us to outside of us. And then number one, come on, what are we supposed to do? Hold fast, there's a hold to it. Hold to that hope that we're professing. And then you see at the very top, there's, I put a little arrow because what we discern and what we discover is that man, when I'm holding fast, like you know what that takes me back to? God's faithfulness. And so what we're gonna do today is that we are going to kind of begin this series by like, you just got the model, but now what we're gonna do is we're really gonna spend most of our time today talking about numero uno. God, who is the faithful one. But I want you to notice something, how extremely important it is to understand the order that these go in. The order is specific. It's not like just this random sprinkling of five thoughts. They really do flow in a specific order. And if we get this wrong, which I believe many, many people in our world get this wrong, it can absolutely mess up our faith and it can mess up the faith of those around us. Because you notice, I mean, it's hard to notice because I'm wearing it on my t-shirt, that the verse starts with this idea of us holding fast. Because it's stated first, we can think it is of the greatest importance. And we could mistakenly think that like faith is about me in my own strength holding on. That this whole faith journey is something that is done through my ability and my strength. And I'm like, I know myself and I, my, my fingers get all slippery. It's hard for me to hold fast. I don't think I can do this faith thing. 
But they get this idea that it's about, faith is about trying harder, working harder. Man, I've just got to be more faithful. I've got to be more faithful so that I can somehow earn God's favor and his blessing and this salvation that I, I hear about. Like I tell you that is completely backwards. And that is not what we see in this scripture. It is not about our strength. In fact, I, I alluded to Ephesians chapter two um, when, I, when I began about faith, but listen to what it says in Ephesians two, eight and nine. That kind of blows this idea that it's a, about our strength, blows that out of the water. Because Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says this, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. I know it's a little hard to read that, that white font up there. But it's not by works. It's not by what I can do that earns anything with God. I don't have to earn his favor. It is a gift. My salvation is not in my own strength because of how strongly I can hold on. Something else is going on. Our faith is not built on our faithfulness, but on the Lord's. You can just put that in your notes. Our faith is not built on our faithfulness, how hard I can hold on. It is built on God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful, I can be faithful too. Let's unpack that a little bit more. Because here's where I think that people really can get things messed up. When people try to build faith on their own faithfulness, on their own strength, it will always lead to religion. It always leads to religion. Religion always comes down to what we can do in our own strength. In fact, I'd put it this way. Religion is humanity's attempt to climb up to God. Right? Religion is always humanity's attempt to climb up to God. But here's the good news. And it really is the good news. It's the gospel. The gospel absolutely shatters that narrative of religion. This religious attempt of, man, if I can just hold on stronger, if I can just do more, if I can just have better faith. The gospel shatters that narrative. Because you know what the gospel tells us? Is that we don't have to climb up to God. The gospel is that God came down. That it's not about us climbing up to God. It's that Jesus came down to a broken humanity that couldn't hold fast in their own strength. That could not do this in their own ability. You just read through the Old Testament. Man, they had a 
there's like 613 laws that they were supposed to fulfill because they did not have God in them. They had God with them, but God had not empowered them by his Holy Spirit. Jesus had not come, so they had a bunch of rules to follow in order so that they would like gain God's favor and his blessing. And you know what we see consistently? Humanity without God will always fail. It's the story of God's people through the Old Testament is that they consistently tried. Okay, we're going to try again. We're going to tear down those idols. We're going to do it right this time. You know what, they, what happened? Failure. Didn't hold fast. Hands slipped off the prize. They were doing their best to climb. But man, but then we get to the New Testament. We get to the new covenant, the new promise. And we discover that humanity can never do that on their own. Friends, religion will always let us down. But God came down. Love came to town. Who wants to catch that train? I want you to see this in another place in scripture. It's in Romans chapter five. This idea of God coming down to rescue us, the gospel story. Listen to Romans 5, 6 through 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came. You can just insert the word down. You can just write that right into the margins on your Bible. Christ came down. When we were what? Utterly helpless. We couldn't hold fast for nothing. Oh, and I love this. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners, these hopeless, helpless people. And it goes on saying, God showed his great love for us, sending Christ. Jesus came because the Father sent him to die for us while we were still sinners. So friends, when we get this wrong and we try to get to God in our own strength by holding fast in our own power, we ultimately fail because we read in another place in, in Romans, just a couple chapters earlier in Romans chapter three, it says where all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. So we're climbing and we can climb a little bit, right? In our own strength, we can get up there a little bit, but you know what? We will always fall short because we're just broken, helpless, sinful people. We needed God to come down. That is the gospel story and it changes everything. Friends, you, you gotta just catch this. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That you don't have to try to climb your way to God. That Jesus came down for you to rescue, 
to save, to redeem, to heal. All the things you long for in your life, to be set free from whatever is plaguing you, the bondage that you've found your story wrapped up in. That's the gospel. The not that you worked your way out of that to somehow come to Jesus, but he came down for you. He is faithful. So then why does Hebrews 10.23 start with this idea of like, hold fast, hold unswervingly? I think when we keep reading in Romans chapter five, kind of it, it gives us a clue. We just read that Christ came down for us to save us. But then when you keep reading in that, in starting in verse 10, check this out. He says, for since our friendship with God, would you say those words? Friendship with God. I, I need you to repeat it because this is really important. Our what? Our friendship with God. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, like right here today, November 2022, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful, what? New relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Oh, this is amazing because Jesus came down to save a broken and sinful humanity. just like you and me. Why did he do that? to restore relationship. So much relationship that it's actually referred to as friendship. That we could be friends with God. So this whole idea of faith and our faithfulness and our holding unswervingly and holding fast has to do with relationship. When we were still sinners, Jesus came down. He did us to create a pathway to relationship. Wow. The gospel is mind-blowing. And because God is faithful, I want to be faithful. Because he is holding fast to me in this relationship. I mean, listen, friends, he went to the cross to secure this pathway of relationship. He went to the cross to secure that. Do you think that his hands are too weak to hold fast to you, to me, to your neighbors, to the most broken individuals in the world? No, he died already to create this pathway of salvation, of restored relationship with God, friendship with God. Dang. Do you think his hands are getting slippery now? No way. So because he's holding fast to me, I want, I want to hold unswervingly. It's not this religious obligation that you better hold fast. 
No, man, it is this want to. It is this desire. It is this passion. Because, Jesus, you've done all this for me. Because you have proven yourself faithful in this relationship, in this friendship. Because you are the faithful one. Jesus, I want to be faithful to you. I want to hold fast. I want to. I want to. I don't want to swerve anymore, Jesus. You don't swerve. You're the faithful one. The same yesterday and today and forever. You don't swerve. So why would I want to swerve? And friends, this is the pathway of faith. This is how faith works. And it starts by understanding he's faithful. He is faithful. Because of that, I want to be faithful. I'm gonna close just with a, a thought, an idea to layer in on this. And I, and I think it's, it's also one of the reasons why we're told that we need to hold fast. Because just as God sent Jesus to the earth, Jesus came down, you know what we're called to do? To be sent our goal as believers isn't to gather once a week on a Sunday morning and sing songs and hear something cool from God's word. No, we are the sent ones. Go into all the world and make disciples. You know why it's important for us to hold fast? Because when the world looks at you and me, you know what they see? They either see this Oh, you can trust in me. There's a faithfulness about my life. I, I, don't, I don't need to swerve. I don't want to swerve. Because, man, God's got a grip on my life. He came down and rescued me. So when you see me, you're seeing a reflection of the story of Jesus. The faithful one. Why would God want us to hold fast as part of our faith story and not consistently be swerving and having to like, oh, come back. Oh, I'm over here, come back. Because the world is watching. Parents, because your children are watching. Because your coworkers are watching. The people you grew up with and are watching your Facebook and Instagram posts. TikTok stories. They're watching your life. Are they seeing a reflection of the faithful God? Or when they see your and my story, does it cause them to wonder about the faithfulness of God? See, we're his ambassadors. <laughs> We'll get to that by the end of this little three-week series. As his ambassadors, are we representing him well? And we represent really well when we hold fast. And when we realize, man, we, we, our hands have slipped, we've messed up, man, we get it right. Not like six months from now and walk in shame and guilt. No, we say, no, he came down to rescue me. I'm getting right today. I'm going to hold fast today. I'm going to do whatever it takes so that this is my story. 
holding fast to the one who is faithful, who holds fast to me. Because I promise you this, because faith always begins with the absolute certainty of God's faithfulness, you know what the enemy does? Tries to erode that. He is actively working against humanity's understanding that God is faithful. He will do whatever it takes to undermine the goodness, the faithfulness, the trustworthiness of God. So you know what he does? He sprinkles us like salt. Scripture says, Jesus says. He puts us as lights into a dark environment, as reminders that no, the world can be bad. People can be bad. Bad things happen. We're living in a broken world, broken planet with broken people. But here's the truth. God will always be faithful. Let's pray. Jesus, faithful one, the one who is called faithful and true, Jesus. Lord, we just turn our mind and our attention to you. God, we ask, Lord, that for any that are here, any who are watching, engaged with us online, even at this very moment, that God, it may be struggling with this idea of your faithfulness, that God, that you right now, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be reminding people, showing people, Lord, that you are to be trusted. You can be trusted. Lord, because you came down from heaven to rescue us in our brokenness. Lord, that our lives could be made whole again. Not just pieced back together, just all fragmented and in a mess, but Lord, you could actually bring wholeness into our beings, into our marriages, into our communities, into our churches. That God, you came to restore wholeness that had been broken all the way back since Genesis chapter three. Lord, it is only possible because of you. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you are our faithful God who will never let us down. Friends, you can't come to faith in your own strength, in your own power, but that's good news. Because faith starts by acknowledging, Jesus, you are the faithful one. God, I can put my hope and my trust in you and what you have promised. And his promise is that he has life for you. He has forgiveness for you. He has life for you. So beautiful and deep. It's the life you've always longed for. And if anybody today wants to just come and say, man, that's me, that's, that's what I need, that's what I've been longing for, then would you come to the faithful one?
Would you come to the one who's never gonna let you down, never let you out of his grip? Would you say yes to him? Not to a church, not to some vague idea, not to religion, but would you say yes to the faithful God who came down for you? And if that's you here this morning, just look up at me and raise your hand, kind of wave a bit and say, by raised hand, by just acknowledging, that's me. I am coming, I am turning. Yeah, you guys, yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, man. I I believe that God in his faithfulness will show you, will prove to you his faithfulness. It's not up to me to do that, he will do that. He will prove to you over and over again his faithfulness. I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come. Because before we leave today, if you wanna pray, if you wanna talk to someone even about this faithful God, I would invite you to come before you leave and say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you talk to me? Or maybe you just have questions about your faith. Dane is out in the courtyard and we've got a number of individuals here who are just trusted people you can just talk with, pray with about whatever is going on in your faith story. I pray with God's blessing on you this week. I pray for a thanksgiving blessing on your life, on your home. We have much to be thankful for. Even in the middle of a broken world, We have so much to be thankful for. May God reveal that to you and bless you this week. Looking forward to the church being back together after thank really good Thanksgiving meal. Be blessed this week. Come for prayer. Have a beautiful Thanksgiving week, friends. Hold fast.